My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. beginning and God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. <coughs> In the first reading today we read the story of Genesis. In the first part of chapter one it tells us the whole story of creation which is a very beautiful story, very rich, and tells us many things. If we were to only, a person was to only know the first line of Genesis and nothing else in the Bible, they would already know a lot. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So now we know where the heavens and the earth have come from. We know the origin of all creation. God made all these things out of nothing he created them that's what creation means to bring into life from absolutely nothing so we know that the world had a beginning there was a beginning there is a God and we have an idea of what he did and we know and we're told later that God created the world out of love because God is love. And so we created the world out of love to give him glory. And so in that we have the purpose of our existence. The whole of creation was created to give God glory. The vocation of the layperson in the middle of the world is to order all the temporal realities, all of them. <coughs> <clears throat> so as to give more glory to God from the biggest things in the world that you could think of down to the smallest detail the more order there is in the world in our lives in everything the more glory is given to God and so we have to try and rectify our intention put our intention right bring order to the world that tends towards disorder. From this phrase we also know that the world did not evolve. We hear a lot about evolution in modern culture because people who don't believe in God have no other explanation for the origin of the world. But the doctrine of the church tells us that the, the world cannot have evolved. <clears throat> there are four ideas that's good to have clear if anybody ever says they believe in evolution well you can ask them do they believe in the evolution of the world in the evolution of man's body in the evolution of man's soul or in the evolution of women 
And just <coughs> with that alone, you can sort of set them thinking because probably they've never thought about all those aspects. But when you think about it, well, can the world have evolved? Well, it's not very rational to think that the, the world evolved from nothing. There was nothing and then there was the world. Where did that first particle come from? <coughs> what was the force that made that evolution happen? So to believe in the evolution of the world is not really rational. And also it contradicts what we're told in the first line of Genesis, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The church allows us to believe, if we want, in the evolution of man's body. That's usually what people believe in when they talk about the evolu about evolution. And we see the pictures or the monkey, etc., etc. But at the same time, it's good for us to realize that has never been proven. It's a theory. Whenever we talk about evolution, it's good to think of it, to put that word before it, the theory of revolution. It's a hypothesis. Often people talk about it as though it was dogma. <clears throat> and so the church allows us to believe in the evolution of the body as long as we believe that at a certain stage in that evolution, God infused a soul into that body. So that particular being that was evolving became the man at that particular moment. There was a definite beginning to that. In relation to the evolution of man's soul, well, we we're not able to believe in the evolution of the soul because the soul is something spiritual. And how can something spiritual come from something material? We could look at this particular table for the next 10,000 years and no idea would come out of this table. No? So spiritual things do not come from material things. And so to believe in the evolution of the soul, again, is not rational. We must believe that God created the soul. And as regards to the evolution of women, well, it's very difficult also to believe that man was evolving, 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 and then there was a left turn, and then there was women. <laughs> so we're bound to believe in the creation of woman from the side of man, as we're told in the book of Genesis. And so this line and these words tell us many things. Give us a great basis for our life. Is the glory of God the motive of all my actions? Because that makes us fit in with the purpose of creation. Notice that question does not say, is the glory of God the motive of most of my actions? No. Or some of my actions. But of all of my actions. You're created to give God glory in everything we do, in every moment of our life. And so every increment of time is an opportunity to give God glory. Deo omnis gloria. And so we try to put our intention right, or we try to have a habitual intention to do things for the glory of God. That's one of the reasons why the morning offering can be such an important norm. We get our day going on the right thought. Or the, the first thought we have when we wake up in the morning, even before getting out of bed, we try and direct that thought to God. It's a great way to start every day of our life. <clears throat> and if you add up all those morning offerings and all those first thoughts in the course of our life, well, that comes to be an awful lot of thoughts and an awful lot of morning offerings.
And so with this we place a certain order. God created the world out of love, but he also created order. He meant there to be a certain order there. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Darkness is associated with a lack of order, without form and void and emptiness and nothingness. And God came then to place order. And that order in itself gave him glory. And so we try to place order in creation. We cut the grass. We take up weeds out of the flower beds. We sweep the floors. We clean windows. We, we lay tables. We uh, try to have clean clothes. We comb our hair. We wash us. We, we, an awful lot of the things we do every day are tied up in order. <clears throat> to place a little more order in the whole of creation, or at least in that part of creation that surrounds us. We can't be worried or concerned about the whole of creation and the whole world, but we can be concerned about that piece of creation that God has entrusted to our care. My room, my cabinet, my bed, my shoes, all the little things that we have or use, or this particular drawer. And because from time to time, things tend to get a bit disordered. Our papers or our things we use, well, occasionally we try and stop what we're doing and go back and put a bit more order in this particular drawer or this room or this attic or whatever else it may be. Because we see there's a good in order. God is there. We order our, th our thoughts towards him. We order our time through our norms of our plan of life. We order our day and our mass. <clears throat> and even if we were to do nothing else in our whole day, and there may come a moment in our life when we won't be able to do anything else, well, that alone is already something wonderful. We're helping the whole world to give more creation to God. And because God made the heavens and the earth, he created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, <coughs> well then all those things speak to us. They speak a divine message. Occasionally our Lord has told us in scripture, look at the birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air. Look at creation. And in our schedule of our existence and the work we have certain moments when we get greater opportunities to do that in our retreat perhaps we look at the grass or look at the trees or look at the sky possibly in our normal working day we don't get too much opportunity to do that but in certain moments that becomes important <clears throat> we look again at the order around us we discover god in creation or we have periods of rest. God rested on the seventh day. Our Father has spoken to us a lot about the importance of rest. Rest is not just doing nothing. It's doing something different. It's a change. But it's also looking around us, the things around us, in a different way. To find God in those things. There is something divine hidden in the most ordinary human reality. And in discovering that something divine, well, we discover something beautiful. We 
singing of the birds, which can be beautiful. We see the beauty in creation, which is a reflection of the beauty of God. And all this helps us to lift up our soul and to want to order every aspect of our being and of our life a little bit more to God. A lady told me once, busy professional career person in another country, how one day she was sitting in the garden and she began to look at a rose. She'd seen a rose a million times in her life, but in this moment she was contemplating that rose in a deeper way. <clears throat> and she said, the thought came to me that man has able, been able to put men on the moon, but no man has made a rose like that. When she spoke, you could see that God was speaking to her through the rose. And so God speaks to each one of us through creation. She told me that looking at the rose, she decided to make a major change in her life. She was a busy professional career person, but she decided to stop all of that and she became a sort of a Mother Teresa in the city where she lived. Began to take care of all sorts of AIDS victims, help them to die spiritually and materially well. It's a very beautiful existence. I discovered in some way the pearl of great price, something that was worth chasing after in this world, other people. God in other people found a great happiness and fulfillment in all of that. And so sometimes God has great spiritual messages for us in and through the things he has created. That order speaks to us. Speaks to us about love, speaks to us about beauty. Pope Benedict liked to say that we have to promote the cult of beauty. <coughs> Because beauty leads people to God. He said, people find beauty irresistible. God is beautiful. And part of our role in our work and our existence is to bring out the beauty that there is in creation and the beauty that there is in the world. Open, open people's eyes to beauty. To reflect beauty in all sorts of ways. It's a wonderful apostle. It's a Christian feminism very much tied up with the beauty of creation. And often when we place order in things, whether it's laying a table or mopping a floor or dusting a cabinet, well, we're, we're bringing out the beauty that is there in this particular thing. We're helping other people to find God in this material thing. The great apostolate, the apostles of apostolates. And so order leads to beauty. And beauty opens people's eyes and people's minds. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. We may not think of light too frequently. We could take light for granted every day of our life. And yet, those periods of rest, of less troubled interchange, that as John Paul II liked to call it, in a, a wonderful document he produced on the day of the Lord, all about rest, the sacredness of rest he talks about. In those moments when we come to think a little deeper about the daily realities that we encounter, like life. When did we ever stop to think about the light? And yet where would we be without light? Natural light, and also artificial light. 
And so the first thing that God said was, let there be light. And all that was needed for light to happen, or for all the other things that happened, was for God to will it. Let this happen. His word was enough to make things happen. And so there was light in the world. A light in the world, but also a light in our mind, in our intelligence, in our intellect. Part of our formation helps us to develop that light. And when we read things, spiritual things, but also cultural things, well, we get a greater light, a greater insight. A greater insight to greater truths, great spiritual truths that are there at the basis of our existence and of the world. And so we learn to see the world in a, in a, different, in a different optical angle. The angle of truth, of beauty, of love. We love the world in the way that God loves it. And because we love it, we want to order it to him. This is the vocation of the layperson to raise up the whole of the world. To order all the temporal realities. It's a wonderful vocation. And that's the vocation to which we have been called. In our work, in our apostolate, in the formation that we give in all sorts of ways. To help people to see things from a different perspective, a supernatural perspective. With that, a perspective of truth that brings peace and joy. And so we're sowers of peace and joy in and through the light and the truth that we spread. And God saw that the light was good flowing through the whole story, the beautiful poetic story of creation that's written in Genesis, is this message that God saw things were good. The world is good. We have a, a deep inherent faith in the truth and goodness of the world. And in the goodness of every human person, no matter how evil they might seem or how evil the world might seem, we know there's a basic goodness there. It just needs to be ordered in the right way. And for that, partly we have the sacraments, which brings a great spiritual order, brings out the goodness in the person, tries to drown out the evil. Pope Francis, as recently mentioned, talked about the spiritual emptiness of the world. What are we going to do about the spiritual emptiness of the world? Well, we can try and fill it with a great spiritual fullness. Instead of worrying or lamenting or being sorrowful about all the bad things there are in the world, well, let's see what we can do about filling that spiritual emptiness with truth, with goodness, with beauty, with love, with order, with formation, with good ideas. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning one day. And so little by little, an order begins to come. On this thing that was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, now there is light. There's a whole new type of existence. There's a whole new ball game that opens up horizons for people. When we try to give formation to young people, the apple of our eye, every soul, we're opening vast horizons for them of truth, of goodness, of love, of wanting to do 
great things in the world, having great ideals. The world is, is worth those great ideals. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and separated the waters which are under the firmament from the waters which are above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven and there was evening and there was morning second day. And so things begin to happen. There's a great optimism contained in these words because the world is good and God is working in the world. We may look around at other people's worlds and we see that well, they have made a God out of other things, power, success, or money, or material things. But we know that's not the truth, that's not the reality. They're going after a false God false gods where we have the real God and we have the rational explanation and the revelation and so many other things and so we come back to our father God present in the tabernacle Lord help me to reflect the goodness and truth and beauty that you are so that other people may be moved to leave those other false gods that they follow all the things that shackle the heart and come in with us in search of love the only real ideals that are worth happening and worth having and so we pray we talk to god about our friends about the ideas they have about the things they're yearning for we try to infect them with all the good things god has given to us so they might come to know the truth and beauty of creation and live with that great optimism that brings them joy the moment we live in a world faced with young people that are very much in need of these ideas. An elderly priest in Asia once told me that young people today are faced with a great pessimism. I was rather surprised by those words. I never really thought about it that way before. A pessimism, particularly in the area of sexual morality. Don't struggle against your passions. Don't fight. You can't win. You're beaten before you start. The world transmits a message of that type. And most organizations in the world transmit the same message. Governments everywhere, confused by those ideas, pessimistic ideas. As we've come to inject the youth of tomorrow with a great optimism, with wonderful things to do, with great things to think about, we look to infinity, because we have been created for infinity, for immortality, for eternity. That's why we have to raise the world and raise ourselves to those great goals. We are capable of God. St. Thomas Aquinas calls this in Latin, Capax Dei. We've been created for eternity to be lifted up to heaven, to enjoy God forever in heaven. And so we have to try and open the eyes of the world to these realities to the beauty that they contain. God is infinitely worth looking at. Infinitely worth knowing and understanding the things that he has done. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place. And let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good, 
if ever we get the temptation to think that the world is bad or that I'm being treated badly or this thing has happened is bad, well, we have to try and remember on the end of them, all things turn out for the good for those who love God. And so behind this contradiction or this difficulty or this pain or this piece of bad news, there is something good always. That's why we can always smile. We can always be cheerful and happy and infect other people with that cheerfulness. Let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind upon the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning a third day. And so we can fill our, our life with acts of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to God for the beauty of creation. Thanksgiving to God for the fact that we were created. Sometimes we might hear people saying, I wish I was never born. Well, we have every reason to thank God that he has wanted to make use of us in this whole process of creation. And so that we would participate in creation in and through the work that he's given us to do with our talents, with our abilities. So that we see a great role and vocation in all of this. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. One time I remember in Rome looking out a window. It was, I was sick at the time and there was an elderly priest on Jose Luis Pastor who was sort of the doctor was looking after me. And we were looking out this window. It was September. It was dark evening in September. The leaves were falling off the trees. It looked rather dreary. Uh, autumn is not the beautiful, most beautiful uh, season of the year in, in, in Europe. And suddenly he said, estación tiene sus I think it's a saying in Spanish. Cada estación tiene sus piezas. Every season of the year has its beauty. I was rather struck by that because the beauty of creation was not particularly evident in that particular autumn evening. No? And maybe it was beginning to drizzle as well. No? But what a beautiful statement, so optimistic. Every season has its beauties. That's a very useful phrase. Every country has its beauties. Every town, every village, every place we are, every day of the week. Even if it might seem to be the opposite, that this is a dreary place, or this is a uh, forgotten place, or this is a dirty place. Well, every season has its beauties. Every day has its joys. It's a rather beautiful way to be looking at things and seeing things. Very optimistic, very positive. We're not in a world where everything is dreary and everything is failure and bad and gloomy and cloudy. No, no, there's a sun that shines in our life. And there's a moon that shines at night. And so we see things from that different perspective. And let them be lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. Light rules. 
there's an order there. That order helps other people to do other things, to move around the place, to use their talents. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate light from the darkness. God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. And over the whole of creation, God is going to place his mother, the queen of creation, queen and lady of all creation. Our lady is there, dominating everything, watching out like a good mother, taking care of everything, not missing anything. And so when we look to the beauty of creation, will we also find our lady, whom God made so beautiful. So that in her also we might see the whole beauty of creation. And so Mary, may you help me to look more frequently at the beautiful things around us that you have created. To see the hand of God behind them. So that, that thought and that idea might lead me to give him more glory. To thank him with my act of thanksgiving. To praise him. To remind myself well, that's for that that I have been created to lift up my heart and soul in prayer in all the hours of the day, hence the first and last thought each day for God. There's a big uh, plaque in the gardens of Cavabianca with a big cock there, multicolored cock, and there's a phrase in Latin underneath that says, Ego sum primus qui laudat Deum. I am the first to praise God each day. I remember when I saw that, I was rather impressed. I'd never thought about it before, that God created one animal in the whole of creation to be the first animal to raise his voice in praise of God every day, the cock. Typical idea that comes from our father. Never really thought about it before. But then I went to live in Manila. And in the Philippines, one of the very popular sports is cockfighting. And so downtown Manila is full of cocks. And so when you wake up in the morning, you hear a million cocks crowing. And suddenly that idea came, comes back to you with greater clarity. And so we can ask Our Lady that we also might raise our thoughts in, in prayer, in mind and heart to God each morning as we participate in the great story of Genesis and give glory to God like the whole of creation. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, and my Guardian Angel, and your